I want to turn to a scripture this morning that is extremely familiar to, um, I trust, to people of the Lord, but especially to those who memorize scriptures. It's been used for comfort uh, for many, many times, and uh, I'm sure if you're a word person, you'll recognize it. It's John chapter 14. I want to read a few verses for our time together in the word this morning. John 14, I'll be begin reading at verse 1. This is from the Spirit of God, and he speaks, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas, verse 5, said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Listen to the answer, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him, you have seen him. Philip, verse 8, watch this. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Father, I pray your word would go forth this morning and just touch the hearts of men and women all across this nation, if not this world, whether someone is viewing here from their home or across the seas in a mission field, I ask you, Lord, to let your spirit speak to each of us individually that we might benefit from your word. I pray it for the glory of our Christ. Amen. This is the weekend, and as a matter of fact, it lands on the day across America, and I'm, I'm assured perhaps in other parts of the world, but this is the day we call Valentine's Day. Its history is interesting, but the bottom line that I want to touch about being Valentine's Day is simply this. It's an annual date that we place on our calendars so that we might remember to express our love and affection to special people in our lives, and especially to those who are our life partners, our mates. That actually is a process that that gives us an expression of something that's inside of us, a longing, an innate desire, if you will, within our hearts as human beings to say that we love someone or that we have close relationship with someone. But not only to know, but to share life and love in an emotion that, as we go through the years, gets to be a greater treasure. Most of us are familiar with fireworks displays. I've seen them, of course, since I was a little boy. We enjoy the sky arrayed with color and then an explosion. And then, regardless of the color, some of them have what they call reports. They blast really loud booms. When we open Scripture this morning in this scene, when Philip cried out to Jesus. He, he literally outbursts. It was, it was that kind of a surprise when Philip 
interjected in the conversation. Something explodes in the heart of Philip. His outcry didn't seem to fit the discussion at hand. Here was Jesus describing heaven to his disciples, telling them that he was going to go away, he would come again, take them to that celestial city, telling them about his second coming. And Thomas asks a relevant question during this conversation about access to heaven. And the discussion continued. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the life, I'm the truth, this is the way to heaven. But suddenly, with an outcry, it burst forth out of Philip. And I will try not to do an injustice to Philip, but he simply, in my mind, says something like this. Jesus, that's all well and good. But what I really want to know is about my heavenly Father. I want to see the heavenly Father. And that's my title this morning, Oh Lord, I want to see you, I want to know you. Most commentaries, I feel, are a little feeble in their attempts to explain about Philip's outcry here. But the disciples' question is a piercing question, and it pierces my soul on Valentine's Day as it has for all the years I've really known God. I feel the heartthrob of this disciple as he implores Jesus. He says, please, Jesus, I want to know. I want to see God. The King James Version says, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. Moffat's translation of the Bible says, Lord, let us see the Father and that is all we want. The New International Version says, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. It's an accepted fact in most circles, especially psychology and and in Christian realms, that nothing can satisfy the soul of a man or woman or young person other than some kind of a knowing relationship with God. First thing I want to share this morning is this. Our relationship with the Creator affects everything. Our relationship with our Creator affects everything we do, everything we say, everything we believe, even everything we achieve. It has to. Knowing the Creator and everything about how He wants to deal with our lives and how we want to have, as Philip said, that relationship with Him, it affects everything personal knowledge of someone with which you're a relationship with, it changes the way we respond. It changes the dynamic of the relationship. A personal example, I have, as you have witnessed on television and and many other mediums, pictures and scenes of men and women who are close to death. I have, as a minister for many years, on numerous occasions, sat with family members of those who have loved ones that lay in another room, perhaps at the hospital, at the point of death. I have tried with all my heart to minister to them, to to work diligently, trying to listen to the voice of God, to speak to them, support during this time of struggle, to try to help them with their faith, to try to help them with emotions, feelings, even pain. And the 
concept of loss, at least as we see it in human beings. But the day arrived years ago when I wasn't just a minister in a sense on the outside trying to help on the inside. I remember when the tragedy came to my own home. My wife had undergone surgery. She was now, my wife was in the ICU. My wife now was close to a place of death. She was in precarious physical trouble with her life. But this was my friend. This was my lover. This was my children's mother, my wife, my completer, my encourager. This no longer was television. It was no longer a story or a novel. This was not overseas. It wasn't in another state, somebody else's house. This was now inside my home. And while I desire to minister in the most effective manner I can to others, even praying for people I've never met, never seen, but in faith trying to meet their needs, I will tell you this, it's different when a personal knowledge of someone, a close relationship, it changes when you think there might be a loss. Each of us know friends that we are close to and intimate with, friends with whom we share the deepest things of our heart and soul. We, we open up and we become transparent and say to them, I will share this with you, and reciprocally we grow together in a relationship. Each of us also know what we might call general acquaintances, someone we enjoy their fellowship but they're not in that inner circle as if like Christ and the disciples. We know about that. But here's something different, or here's something to observe. How much do we show, to which group do we show more interest? And without going to the negative about, well, why wouldn't someone show as much interest? It's just part of human nature. We show the most interest in the one with whom we know well, our more intimate friends. Those are, the, those are just the close people to us. It's an easy question which one, in a sense, we give the most time. It's a simple answer, and it is the same, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, young people with God. If you do not know him, and I don't mean know about him, if you do not really know him in a salvation, personal, Holy Spirit connection way, then he doesn't much impact your life. But when you do know God, when you have talked with God, when you have shared, when you have touched God in your spirit, when you gone through the valleys with God by your side, when you've climbed the mountains of life together and God accompany you, your knowledge of God becomes the most important factor in your whole being. I learned that at an early age, early age in my life. I believe that that intimate, having traveled, I believe that is what Philip was trying to say in this scripture. He's trying to say something like this. Jesus, it's wonderful about heaven. Thank you for the promise. Thank you that we know our eternity. Thank you for sending the Christ. And Jesus, he said, I'm glad that you're coming to take us back and to receive us. But the main thing I want to know is this. I want to really, really deeply, I want to know God. 
I want to see him. I want to touch him. I want to talk to him. I believe this desire to know the Heavenly Father is not a normal response to fallen men and women who have never known, or young people who have never known, a relationship of salvation. And listen, it doesn't even come automatically with salvation. When you're saved, yes, thank the Lord, we are delivered from the sentence of sin, from the sentence of death, and when we come to the Lord in salvation, we gain eternal life. But an intimate knowledge and personal relationship with God is quite a different thing. This is what our world doesn't understand. They come to it, if you come to it, you're out here and you come to it from an intellectual place. God is beyond our intellect. But I want to tell you, you won't just know God in intellect. This God that we come to serve comes to us. He wants to share life with us, just like he did in Eden before the fall. He was close to Adam and Eve. Walk with them. Talk with them. They shared a relationship. It's beyond religion. It's beyond just some religious philosophy. It goes far beyond the, this intimacy I'm talking about. It goes far beyond the salvation experience. And may I say, this desire for God God comes only after we decide, and can I say, use the word determine, that at any cost we will know Him. Sometimes I think that's why trouble comes into our lives, because God wants to let us know that in times of trouble, He's a very present help. He's there. He wants to share that with us. I think it's time when He gives us joy and He blesses us. I think God's trying to say, I want to share life with you. I want you to know me as fully as I know you. It's born into our hearts, this, this longing this yearning for God, to really know Him that Philip is expressing. This desire is born in our hearts by His high, and never forget, it is a Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes us willing to set aside all of our other pursuits of life and have sublime intimacy with God. That's a roundabout way of saying God wants to be first place in our lives. I will tell you this, when he is, everything else in life unfolds in a right measure. It may happen at some time when you finally give God the whole of your life, when he gets on the throne of your life. It may happen in a church service in a time of consecration. It may happen in a devotion when you're reading it at your home or somewhere where you're having a private time with God. Maybe the the Prayer closet is a time where God does that work and the Spirit of God unites you close together. Maybe it's during an anointed, inspirational song. God uses all these circumstances to try to reach you, not just in paying the price of your salvation, but to have relationship. God wants you. I hope this doesn't cheapen the concept, but God wants you to be His valentine. God wants you to, to love him in every measure you can in the measure that he loves you. It's more than religion. It is, it is not about keeping the letter of the law. It's about knowing the Lord. And Philip cued in on it. Secondly, I believe that when you get there, this relationship is a contagious thing. 
when a pastor has it, the desire is passed on, I believe, to his congregation. I want to love this church. I want to love you, and I want to help you in every way I possibly can. But the best way I can help you is to get you to know salvation, yes. To get you to understand the Word of God, yes. But it's all designed not so that we can be religious or go through form or format. It's so that you can know God and walk with God and hear His voice and literally, while we're preparing for heaven, know the Father in this time. When a pastor has it, the congregation has it. When a parent has it, I believe it rubs off into the children. When a church has it, I believe that it affects the workplace where everyone is employed. Ladies and gentlemen, it's important to have an absolute intimate relationship with God. That's the reason I go through some Sundays and weeks and and. Wednesday evenings, and we have church, and we have church services, and week after week, thank God we can. I, I, can, I can sing in those services. I can lift my voice. I can raise my hands. I can worship to the Lord. But there comes times, because of circumstance sometimes, there comes times when I need more than, let me say, ritual. I need something more than just a scheduled service. I need something beyond the norm because when the enemy comes in like a flood, I need that standard of God's Word raised up in me. But there's a time when my heart yearns and I can tell it. I I need more than just a church service. I want to know God. What are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is there comes times when I need presence, divine intercession. That's deep crying to deep, where spirit speaks to spirit. And I know that I'm not just a number somewhere among eight billion people, but I am a known, born-again, spirit-filled, intimate child with the master creator God himself. If you read in the Old Testament, Isaiah had that experience. On one occasion, he was seeking the Lord. The king Uzziah had died. If you know it, you can read it in Isaiah 6. Isaiah was in the temple, and God gave him a vision of himself. It changed that man's life forever. Church, individual, and let me say across America, we need what Isaiah needed. We need to receive what Isaiah received more than a temple, more than a service, more than a ritual, more than a mechanical head knowledge of God. We need a hot coal from the fire of the altar of God to touch us. And somehow this morning, I hope you will follow Philip's outcry because Philip knew the greatest need he had was to know God personally. I get frustrated as I watch the news and I see what's happening in our world. This COVID thing has, I think, opened a lot of eyes in a lot of different directions. Sometimes I feel sorry, to be honest with you. My heart breaks when I see lost people, not just because they do not know the Lord in the sense as a Savior, but because they do not have spirit discernment. They can only see what is natural. They cannot see what is beyond the natural. It's amazing to me. We now have programs of all sorts all across our world about the paranormal. 
I just want to tell you something. The paranormal is nothing new. It is a spirit world. There is a supernatural spirit world that is just as real as the natural world. Ladies and gentlemen, young people, wherever you hear me, get beyond I'm urging us, get beyond living in just the natural world because the natural world is deceived. Many lies, many of the power struggles, much evil and all that we see across this world, even in our own nation, comes because people are religious, but they're not related to the Lord. It's one thing to know that God sent His Son to die for my sin, but it's another thing to know I know you. It's another thing. I don't, I don't live by the letter of the law out of some fear of the law. I live for the Lord because I know Him. I know Him like I knew my dad. I can speak with Him. And He tells me things that transcend the natural thing. If you're listening to me this morning and your whole world is all about just what you can see in the natural and it's all about people and troubles and all about the fun you think you have and all that, I want to tell you there's another world. This one is pretty short. It's our opportunity not only just to enjoy this world God gave us, but it's our opportunity to right ourselves with the Creator of all this universe, the one who has an eternity that is guaranteed for us to experience. I believe those are the feelings. I believe those are the things that Philip was trying to say when he, in a sense, interrupted the conversation. How can we, ladies and gentlemen, I say to this, if you're a person that is not in Christ, or if you are, how can we live in a cold world that we know human beings don't have the answer? Ladies and gentlemen, young people, if you're looking into a a, a TV or a computer, if you're looking on a telephone, if you're looking on an iPad, whatever, if you're looking to social media and everybody that's on there for answers, I want to tell you something. The answers to the woes of this world and the pains that you know and the disappointment you know and the crimes and the evil, the only answer to all that is our God Himself. It is the God of your creating. And I want to tell you, there is no remedy other than the Christ, God's only begotten Son. How can we, even in Christianity, I say this to you who are born again, how can we be content with a cold, calculating, professional, can I say mechanized Christianity? I think, I think we're in an hour where I need to ask, where is the passion where is that yearning that puts us in an uncomfortable place enough that we will step out of our comfort zone and, and talk to someone about their eternal destiny? Where is our intimacy with God? I've always been raised in a church where there were altars where we could come and kneel. I, I really have to tell you that I miss so badly when we finish our message or when we have during our church service when we can't even come because of the social distancing, we can't even come and pray one for the other or kneel beside one another. It makes me wonder if Satan hadn't designed the whole thing. Nevertheless, perhaps the design of all the present-day perils that we have, maybe it's God trying to woo us and draw us to Himself. I pray that something will trigger in your soul today with David of old. 
read it in the psalm, he could cry out, As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you, O God. Perhaps that is what Jesus meant when he said on another occasion, I am coming after those who are loving and longing my appearing. I want you to share my heart cry this morning because I see a needy world. It makes me want to know my God in a much closer way, not just for myself, because I know my name's recorded. I know where I'm headed in eternity. But I passion for God that I, His Spirit might set upon my being that I might affect the eternal destiny of so many who are lost and so many who will even deny a hell. And yet, Lord, I know they don't know you. I want to help those who are spiritually blinded. That is my passion. I believe that is what God is calling all of we who are genuinely twice born to. Oh, Lord, let me see. Let me know. God, give me presence and power that I might affect my generation. I trust you share that with me this morning. Let me have a word of prayer. Father, for everyone under the sound of my voice, I thank you, Father, for the time they have decided to spend with us. Lord, if there are those who are watching today, I pray if they do not know you, may they just simply pray this prayer, Father. I know Jesus was the Son of God. I believe that he came and died on the cross to save me from my sin. I know that I need to come and make my heart right with yours. You have invited me. The Spirit of God has drawn me this morning, and I, I come to you. I ask you to save me. Forgive me for my sin. And I thank you for the opportunity, not only to be my Savior, but I'll let you be my Lord. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me pray for the church just a moment all across this world. God, you're coming after a bride. Lord, those that are blood-bought, you said we'd overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I pray today, may we desire that same urgent relationship with you today that Philip did on that day where John recorded the words. I ask you, Father, to empower us. Lord, may we not just go about our time thinking, Lord, is this the end? Father, I pray you cause us to know. I, I don't want to go back to what we call normal. I don't want to go, Lord, to, to anything normal. I want to go to what's better. And Lord, what is better is to see a revival during this time. What's better, Lord, is to see men and women wake up spiritually and realize that God is reaching for our souls and reaching for this world, maybe for the last time before the return of Christ. Lord, may we be a part of that. I want to be a part of that, God. Give us wisdom. Give us opportunity. And Lord, give us a hunger like Philip had. And Father, give us a boldness to do so that we might glorify you. For I pray it in the precious name of my Redeemer, Jesus. Amen.